It's time for episode 469 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM. Recorded Wednesday, September 21st, 2022. Clockwise for people, for tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that's just in time for fall. My name is Dan Morin, and I am joined across the internet by my good friend, my pal, my co-host, my dungeon buddy. It is Micah, Sergeant the One and Only. How are you doing today, Micah? I am doing well, Dan. I have uh, a good amount of energy. I I got my full eight hours of sleep. I'm sorry to be bragging to you, Daddy Dan, <laughs> um, but I I feel good. I feel good. You can you can sleep for eight hours. That's a thing. <laughs> Apparently. Okay wild uh all right well this is of course the show where we invite on two fantastic guests and to my left this week it is the managing editor at mac stories it's john Voorhees. welcome back john hey dan how you doing it's good to be here i'm glad to have you and to my left it is the podcaster for originality as well as several incomparable shows and another dungeon buddy of mine it's aline sims hello aline Hello, friends. Well, let me kick things off without any further ado. I want to know about your current computer setup at your desk or wherever it is that you do most of your work. Run it down for me. John, what do you, what's your setup look like? All right. I've got kind of a temporary setup. I actually moved from Chicago to North Carolina earlier this mm-hmm. summer. And so what I've got is a real basic IKEA table. That's got wheels on it, no storage or anything, but it's just the right size for my Mac studio and my studio display. That's my main everyday computer, especially in the summer when I'm getting ready to review a Mac OS for Mac stories. So that that's kind of the core of things. Uh, I also tend to keep an iPad Pro 12.9 inch in a stand right next to my Mac so that I can use universal control to kind of access some apps on the iPad as well. And then I've got just my uh, podcasting gear. I've got a Sound Devices Mix Pre 3.2, which is kind of a mouthful, which is an, <laughs> an audio interface that plugs into the uh, the Mac Studio, and an Earthworks Ethos microphone uh-huh. that is connected into that, which is an XLR microphone, which is probably my most recent purchase in this setup. So that's that's uh, my day to day right there. Beautiful. Um, for me, I have, it was the, the first like big purchase I made for myself. Uh, the company is now called Fully. Fully makes a, uh, bamboo, uh, sit stand desk. And so I have had this now for, uh, many years. I am rocking a Mac Studio, uh, as my machine. This is not the, Ultra, but uh, the Mac Studio with the Pro in it, and uh, a studio display as my display. As for my audio interface, I actually use the Elgato Wave XLR, um, and that is connected to a Heil PR40. That is a microphone I am currently using. So, Aline, tell us about your computer setup. I have two studio displays. Two? 
Cool. <laughs> I have oh, studio displays. Fancy. I know. And I have a 14-inch MacBook because um, when the studio display was announced, I didn't have a computer that was robust enough to run two studio displays. I have that, and my monitors are attached to Dell monitor arms, and um, I've got a Nomad... A MagSafe dock that I can pop my phone onto when I sit down. I have an Elgato arm for my microphone. I don't even have an interface for my microphone. I got a Shure MV7. Um, so I can plug it in via USB and the sound quality is still really, really good with it. And then my desk itself is actually two um, Ikea, I think they're like Alec drawer units mm. with um, one of their uh, butcher block countertops mm. on top of it. And we just kind of plopped it all together. And I love it because it's really simple and I have a ton of storage space and I've got a lot of desk surface. So um, sorry, I'm, I, I just it's, it's too much, but I love it. It makes me so happy. I actually share a lot of common with a bunch of you. I have a, um, actually have a sit stand desk from Ergotron, a desk that I got for free years ago, uh, by being a speaker at Macworld Expo. That's how long ago that was. But I have changed out my setup as I was discussing just before the show. My iMac died a couple months ago. So for the meantime, I've plopped my M1 Air down in the middle of the setup. I bought myself a studio display that is on a uh, an arm from Fully, the company Micah mentioned. Um, and so I can adjust it, which is really nice. I've got one of those Elgato uh, arms for my also my Shure MV7, which I am using through an interface because it can do that too. I've got a review unit of the uh, Focusrite Vocaster 2 here because I occasionally need a second mic input. Um, and uh, I got a few other things, a stream deck, uh, a couple uh, big monitor speakers that I, I'm kind of like, well, do I really need these? I could probably use my HomePods or I could probably use you know the built-in studio display speakers, but they really do sound nice. So I'm kind of sticking with them for the moment. And my biggest struggle with this is always cable management. I'm just never quite sure like the right way to get these cables off my desk. So I struggle with that. I'm 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 working on it, but we'll see. A Mac Mini will help that a little bit because at least they'll go out the back instead of like, having my MacBook Air with stuff hanging off the sides right in the middle of the desk. But thank you all for your thoughts on that. I appreciate it. Let's go to our second topic, which comes from John. All right. We just got iOS 16. And while there are a lot of great features, you can never be totally satisfied with an OS, in my opinion. And so I'd like to hear from everybody, what is the one thing that you would add or change about iOS that would make the biggest impact on the way you use your iPhone? Micah? If I could have a change, it would be some sort of either multi-screen management system I guess akin to a stage manager on the iPad or the the sort of future where there's more than one screen that you can access and it I, I don't know if it folds out or if it's an AR thing or what have you, but if I could just have my iPhone be the one device that I carry around with me and it could become in some way a laptop or even an iPad halfway in between the two. <laughs> that would be the change. But I realize that's so that's so far off. That's so uh, not something that's, that's possible right now. So that's where I kind of fall back on a sort of stage manager idea where I can at least have, you know, a few things on the screen at once because 
I've I've got the Max, and I uh, definitely you know I I will probably stick with that for as long as I can because my I've got monster hands, so it's not a big deal being able to carry this thing around with me, and uh, I just wish I could do more with all of that screen real estate I have. Uh, Aline, what about you? I try not to use my iPhone much anymore, and so that sent me down the rabbit hole of like, what if screen time, but if in apps. So every time I launch Twitter, there's a little little display, you know, that like semi-translucent display that kind of overlay that, that apps do. That's like you've used Twitter for like way too much time for four hours today or whatever. Uh, do you want to continue like some kind of dialogue box <laughs> or something or um, more practically something that might help people track their time more effectively? So say in pages, like you've used pages for two hours today so that for the like the hardcore time trackers out there who really want to know how much time that they're spending doing a thing that makes it a little bit easier for them to do it. But I could see applications for people who who really want to just like stay informed or keep a better accounting of their time instead of, you know, being like chastised by their device all the time. I think the thing, and this is a little bit of a cheap, I'm going to go with it. Uh, the thing I want, and mostly I want on the iPad side rather than the iPhone side, but I think there's actually a lot of use for on the iPhone side too, is the better audio routing capabilities. Because like, that's one thing I can't do on my iPad right now is like effectively record a podcast with people who are remote. But I love the idea of also turning the iPhone into sort of like a like a portable audio interface, right? Like if you could like plug a mic into that and, and sort of take it somewhere and just have this little device that lets you do, you know, like, oh, I'm just going to hit record on there and I've got my Skype call and whatever, and I'm, I'm off and running. I just think that would be so cool um, to be able to have the iPhone in that dimension as well. Just like in that case, I run into a, you know, being a device that can basically do almost anything I ever need to do for work, no matter what it is. Um, it can in some way be accomplished via the iPhone. So I, I would like to see something like not only the ability to use multiple apps, accessing audio interface at the same time, but also would love to have the ability for you know third-party apps like you know those by our friends at Rogue Amoeba be able to do audio recording uh, and like you know various uh, types of audio manipulation on iOS. Uh, just anything that sort of relaxes some of the rules on there because that's it's one of the most frustrating things is running into the, what feel like these artificial blocks. John, why don't you wrap this up for us? All right. So, you know, what I think I could use the most right now, and this really goes for the iPad too, though, is a clipboard manager because mm. a system level clipboard manager. There are apps that do this, but they're limited by the restrictions on iOS. And just one of the things I do all the time is copy and paste text from one place to another, whether it's in the midst of publishing a story on Mac Stories or promoting it on Twitter or whatever it happens to be. I'm always moving text around from one place to another. And a lot of times that's not just a simple single copy and paste. There's maybe two or three or four different bits of information that I want to share, whether it's a, an image, a link, some text, a bunch of different things. And having that closer at my fingertips, like I can on my Mac, 
would be a huge advantage that I've been hoping for for a very long time. And even though the iPhone is the smallest device, it really is the device that liberates you from your desk. I mean, I would love the feeling of being able to walk out the door and run some errands and feel like even if I have one of those complex setups that I have to do that requires a bunch of copying and pasting in multiple places, if I had to do it while I was out, I could do it instead of being kind of tethered to my desk. All right, that's two topics down, two topics left to go, which of course means it's halftime here clockwise. And this week, we want to remind you that September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. And for the fourth consecutive year, the Relay FM community is rallying together again to support the life saving mission of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, Finding Cures, Saving Children. This year, St. Jude celebrates 60 years of leading the way the world understands, treats, and defeats childhood cancer and other life threatening diseases. The son of grateful immigrants, Danny Thomas, brought people together in support of that life-saving goal, finding cures, saving children. With a focus on saving as many children as possible, St. Jude brought research and patient care under one roof and pioneered racial integration as the first fully integrated children's hospital in the southern United States. As it expands in scope and extends its life-saving mission to help more children around the world, St. Jude continues to stand as a beacon of hope for families everywhere. Childhood Cancer Awareness Month is an opportunity for us to come together in the fight against childhood cancer because together we can make a big impact. Since our first Relay FM for St. Jude campaign in 2019, we've raised $1.5 million as a community. And with your help again this year, we know we can hit $2 million this September. This year, you can support the Relay FM for St. Jude campaign in multiple ways. As always, we invite you to make a donation. Donors who make an individual gift of $60 or more will receive a digital bundle, including a wallpaper and macOS screensaver pack, which is really cool. You definitely want that. Donors who make an individual gift of $100 or more will receive a set of stickers in addition to the digital bundle. And if your employer offers a matching gift program, fill out the form at stjude.org relay to have that match credited to our campaign. And new for this year, if you want to get more hands-on, you can now start your own fundraising campaign to help us reach our goals while earning exclusive Relay FM merch. Fundraisers who raise a dollar or more, just a dollar, will receive an exclusive St. Jude limited edition of the Relay FM Challenge coin. And fundraisers raising $250 or more will also receive a unique desk mat featuring the cartoon heads of Relay FM's co-founders. Please go to stjude.org slash relay to donate and to find out more about fundraising. Once again, please go to stjude.org slash relay to learn more and donate. Let's cure childhood cancer together. All right. Halftime is at an end. Micah Sargent, what do you have for us? It's time for another case conversation. Uh, I'm curious, what tech devices, yes, we're, we're moving past just your smartphone, do you own that you cover with cases? Which devices are laid bare? And how do you decide whether you should cover them? Aline, we'll start with you. I have a carved case for my iPhone. They're these wood and resin cases. They're beautiful uh, little pieces of art, and they're really protective. I drop my phone probably 12 times a day, and I my, my phone has not broken once using a carved case. Um, I, I just I love them. I sing their praises all the time. Um, so that's really for protection. And I have an air snap, uh, from 12 South for my AirPods. Um, because if you drop those suckers, they go flying in every direction. <laughs> and I've had that happen in public where like they've fallen out of my pocket because teeny tiny girl pockets, they just kind of like slip out sometimes. And it's like, it's a lot of fun to be at, you know, Pike Place Market in Seattle with one AirPod going flying in one direction. And another going in another direction and your case going in another direction. So the air snap actually has a snap on 
it to keep the lid closed so that doesn't happen. I just have to chase after the one thing. Um, I also have a smart folio for my iPad mini to keep the screen from getting scratched up. And then for my Kindle, I have a felt to slip cover for it just to kind of keep it from getting scratched up in my bag. But like my Switch, which I keep docked all the time, I never use it in handheld mode. Technically, I have a case for it, but never use it, you know. So really, if it's something that's going to be in danger of getting damaged, I'll put a case on it. Otherwise, I don't. Like my computer, I I don't put a case on my computer ever. It clamshells closed. The screen's not going to get damaged unless I do something catastrophic. So it'll be okay, you know. There's only a few things I use with a case. Uh, predominantly, my iPhone. I always feel a little guilty, especially lately. I've gotten like the the you know whatever the one off color is every year. So this year I have the deep purple 14 Pro, which I really like. But I get a a clear case, and I basically just buy sort of the cheapest, nicest clear case I can find. Um, I'm tempted to go without a case, but I'm just too worried about breaking my phone. <laughs> I don't tend to drop it that much, but I know the day I take the case off, it will be the day I utterly destroy it. I don't put anything on my MacBook Air, which I did recently knock off the arm of a chair and dent. Um, so I don't know if a case would have helped that. Uh, my iPad Pro, I have the Magic Keyboard on. I also have just a sort of a, a sort of cheap uh, Amazon smart cover on it as well for when I want to carry around but don't want the bulk of the keyboard. And then I have both a Kindle with a sort of little fabric-y Kindle case and a Kobo with a, uh, again, sort of a cheap case that I bought just to... I like the ability to like open and close them. They have those magnetic things, so it like turns on when you open it. I just find that extremely convenient, and it's easier to grip for me sometimes with a case than without the case on it. Other than that, uh, yeah, I probably am tempting fate with my not enough cases on everything. I should just enclose everything in cases. Case <laughs> for the studio display. Um, John, what about you? Uh, it's a pretty short list. I guess I've been using an iPhone case a lot more in the past year than I typically have historically. I'm not really sure why. Maybe it was in part because I was moving and there was a lot of stuff I was always juggling and figured I was more likely to drop it in the midst of some of that. But for the most part, I try to keep it outside of a case. I do like the Apple leather cases, though, and I've got a, a black one that's quite nice that goes well with the phone. I guess the with my MacBook Air, I do drop it into a sleeve when I take it outside the house. Like if I throw it in my backpack, I'll put it in a, in a cushioned sleeve so it doesn't get messed up with the other stuff in my backpack. And beyond that, it's really just the iPad Pro. I have the, the Magic Keyboard, and I use the iPad Pro almost exclusively with the keyboard. So I, it's rarely out of that case, but I will take it out for things like when I'm working at my desk and I've got it in the stand next to me, or I'm just kind of reading on the couch or something like that. My iPhone, I have a case, but I will go through periods of time where I go caseless. I tried it with this one, the the new iPhone 14 Pro Max, and I feel better holding it with the case on than without. I It feels more secure in my hand, and so I do that. But um, I always think I want to be a person who puts a case on my laptop so that I can put stickers all over it. But I'm just not that I'm just not that person. So I end up just keeping uh, I've got the M2 MacBook Air uh, with fingerprints. Uh, that, sh that should be the name of the color. It's just called fingerprints. And it is it is bare. And this is the first time in a long time that I've thought about getting a case just so I don't have to look at all of my fingerprints all over it. Um, all right. Let us move on to our final uh, topic from our guests. Uh, Aline, what have you got for us? 
My question is this. It's the evergreen question. Are iPads living up to their potential? And this question is so cliche at this point, right? Like, but I remember in 2018, the iPad Pro coming out. And um, as soon as it hit the stores, you know, my husband and I like booked it to the Apple Store at University Village here in Seattle. And I held it in my hand and I was like, I have to own this. This is the future. This is just beautiful. It just, it felt like magic and possibility. And I use it the same way that I've used every other iPad I've ever owned. And I have this 2018 iPad Pro. I have the 13 inch and I have last year's iPad mini. And I just have to wonder, like, why is this piece of technology that is so beautiful and so innovative kind of flat? Mm-hmm. Not not physically flat, you know, <laughs> but like, why is it flat? Why does iPad feel so stuck? I have a 2018 iPad Pro. I'd like to upgrade, but why? Mm-hmm. And I was looking at the iPad OS 16 list of here's what's coming. And the first thing Apple talks about is shared photos on iCloud. What, what What's going on <laughs> with iPad? Help me. I love them so much, but I just feel like there's so much potential and they're just not they're just not there. I think you're right. And I feel this too. I have an iPad Pro that I bought just earlier this year after um, basically having, I think mine was like almost five years old at that point. And I like it a lot. It's a great piece of hardware, really. Just one of the best I think that Apple's ever made. But it does always feel like something is missing. Like the iPad hasn't quite figured out its place yet. And I'm on the, the beta for 16 with it. And I've been using Stage Manager and I, oh, man, I was so excited when they announced it that I felt like maybe this is it. Maybe this is the moment that it sort of all comes together. And I find it still a bit meh. It's it's improved, but it's it doesn't feel right. And the fact to me that this is something they've added to both the Mac and iPad kind of belies to me this idea that it is a solution to this problem. Because on the Mac, it feels totally superfluous to me because it, it replicates a feature that is fundamentally something the Mac has done for years, <laughs> uh, decades even. And on the iPad, it feels like still trying to fit a round peg in a square hole. And I think the iPad is a little trapped between its legacy as this device that sits somewhere between the iPhone and the Mac. And it's not quite either. And it's not quite both. And that is really frustrating. It doesn't really have its own identity in some ways. And I think that's a, it's something that Apple's looked to correct by you know forking off iPadOS into its own development stream. And I think that's a positive but I don't think even the people who are writing the software for the iPad know what the iPad is supposed to be. And trying to maintain the sort of ease of use that made the iPhone so, such a success with the power that's made uh, the evolution of the Mac such a success for the last four decades is a tough proposition. Uh, and I don't think they threaded that needle yet. So it can do a lot. And it's very good at a lot of the things it does. And there are cases where it is the right device for me at a given moment. But there are also still cases where I get so frustrated doing things on it. I'm like, I'm just going to do this on my Mac. Or honestly, I'm going to do this on my iPhone. And that, I think, is uh, is tough. It's still trying to sort of carve out its place in the world. And I think there may be a future wherein it is the device that most people use for a lot of the stuff they want to do. But I don't think we're quite there yet. It hasn't really come of age, even after a decade. So that's kind of my feeling on it. I love it. But it's I agree with you that it's it, it just hasn't quite clicked yet. It hasn't found its own identity. John, what do you think? 
I think one of the things about the iPad is that it's it's headed in the right direction. It's just moving too slowly. And we're paying the price for it being a big iPhone for far too many years. And that takes a lot of time to realign and create something that's maybe a little closer to the Mac, but yet still kind of true to its own hardware. And I think we're getting there, but there are still a lot of things missing. And we mentioned some of them when we talked about iOS, things like a clipboard manager or as as Dan mentioned, the audio systems that allow you to do more complex things with with audio routing or global hotkeys, which is just super standard on a Mac or, you know, system level type of hooks that allow developers to create apps for, of their own, like Better Touch Tool or Keyboard Meister or other really good automation tools. And while Stage Manager, I think, is a good idea, and I think it's going in the right direction on the iPad. It's just way too buggy. The idea, though, of having a second display, an external display that you can use with an iPad, I think is a good one. I think the intent behind Stage Manager is a good one, too, but it's still in pretty rough shape, and we're pretty close to launch now of iPadOS 16, and I don't think it's going to be in a state that uh, any of us would want at that point. There was a huge focus on iPad and people were worried the Mac wasn't getting any attention. And then uh, we we saw the M1 and M2 and Apple Silicon playing out in in Mac land. And it has resulted in Mac OS, even though they say talk about how they will always be separate platforms and all of that kind of stuff. There is a convergence uh, to some extent of all of these platforms. And so it does leave the iPad kind of in this in-between area where because everything else is advancing, iPad is also advancing, but it doesn't then give attention to the iPad as a thing that is advancing with everything else. When they chose to split iOS and iPadOS up, they kind of gave themselves the burden of trying to say, oh, here are some cool new features for the iPad. But frankly, a lot of the cool new features that they release every year are for at the very least, iOS and iPadOS, and in many cases for iOS, iPadOS, and macOS, along with, you know, tvOS and HomePodOS and all the rest. And so it can be kind of difficult to say here specifically is what's happening on the iPad, which gives it kind of a, it looks as if it's getting a backseat. At the same time, though, if you can broaden the perspective of, of what um, updates are coming in general, then you see that the iPad is moving right along with everything else, and it will uh, ultimately be, you know, these these special features like Stage Manager on the Mac and the iPad that will uh, set it apart. But I would be curious to see, too. I mean, we saw Apple surprise us uh, with the dynamic island in terms of a software change that integrated with the hardware. And perhaps uh, we could see that with iPad as well. There may be something that we don't know yet that's right around the corner that uh, is a clever use of of merging the two platforms. So, yeah. Uh, any last thoughts on that, Aline? I know you you had uh, some great ones there at the beginning. No, I just I I love iPad. Like I'm not coming at it from a like Apple needs to to do better. This is gonna die. It's it's just like I love iPad and I see so much potential in it. And it's like, I, I don't know, I feel like a parent, like, you, you're you so close, yet you're so far, and <laughs> I just want you to do well. All right, that is four topics down. We have just enough time for a bonus topic, so let me ask you quickly, do you have a favorite piece of art in your home, John? 
Well, back in 2019, Federico and I did an interview of a guy named Frank Turner, who is a singer-songwriter kind of in the the folk punk scene. And I have a print of the cover of his book that he autographed. And that was one of my favorite interviews we ever did because we talked to him about songwriting. It was not really a tech topic. It was more about writing, which is a very different kind of writing than than I do, but uh, an incredibly fun conversation. So I've got that sitting by my desk and I, I enjoy looking at it. There is a, a site called, I believe it's called Paint Your Life, uh, but I'm not 100% sh- certain about that. Uh, but in any case, it is a place where you can upload a photo and a real painter will paint the photo. So I had uploaded a photo of my dogs. In the mail came this beautiful oil painting of Henry and Mizzy lying next to each other on this uh red and white blanket. It's gorgeous and I love it and it's extra. And uh, yeah, that's definitely my favorite piece of art. Uh, Aline, what about you? When we got married, Justin and I did not have a guest book. Instead, what we had, he digitally drew our venue and we had it printed to canvas and we had our guests sign that. And so we have our guest book as like this canvas. We had a really small wedding that our guests signed and it's just, it's pretty and it's, you know, it's purple and pink and blue, which um, people who know me are kind of like the Aline colors. So it's great. (laughs) Uh, My, my aunt, my dad's sister was a painter. And uh, when I was, oh God, I remember like maybe in my teens or something, I was out visiting her and she took us into her studio and she's like, just pick, pick something you like. And I was like, oh, I like this sort of like abstracty sort of blue green, uh, you know, thing she did. And she's, you know, I, I always remember because she, uh, I was like, well, which side's up? And she's like, you tell me. And I, and then she signed it like after I said, I think it should go this way. Um, and my parents got it framed for me. And it, um, it's been in, I've hung it in my dorm in college. I've had it for 20 plus years. She died when I was 20 and just in college. And um, so I've basically taken it around. It's in our living room now. It was in my living room, my old apartment. Um, but yeah, that's like the piece of original art that I've had the longest. Um, and I really still still treasure it quite a bit. So that's my favorite piece. If you would like to get ad-free episodes with an extra overtime topic every week, you can become a Clockwise member. Just go to relay.fm slash clockwise. You can sign up for just $5 a month or $50 a year. You'll help support the show and we really appreciate it. In this week's overtime topic, we're going to discuss the apps we use to get things done. Well, we have reached the end of the episode, and all that remains is for us to thank our fantastic guest this week. John Voorhees, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. And Aline Sims, thank you for coming back onto the show. Thanks for continuing to ask me. And Micah will be back next week. But until then, we remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.